This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. And depending on who you're a fan of, happy Daytona weekend. Happy uh, XFL weekend. Happy Tigers back on the course weekend. It's just the first weekend in a long time with no NFL. Very sad. Very, very sad. But that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean we're not going to talk some National Football League. In fact, this may surprise you. uh, The NFL is going to dominate the conversation here coming up today for the next hour. So thank you for being here. Happy Friday to you. Uh, If you're here in Des Moines, hopefully the snow didn't bust up too much of your life. Hello, if you're in from out of town. State wrestling tournament going on here in downtown Des Moines at Wells Fargo Arena. There are a lot of... A lot of unfamiliar license plates. A lot of counties like Blackhawk and Lucas County that don't want to get behind those people when you're trying to order something at Starbucks. I can promise you that. How does this work? Uh, so coming up at 12.15, Pete Sweeney is going to join me from ArrowheadPride.com. The dust is settling, of course, on the Kansas City Chiefs winning the uh, the Super Bowl. We will talk to Pete about the big story in the National Football League, which is not about... Patrick Mahomes and this team. It's about Eric Bieniemy and why the Chiefs offensive coordinator does not have a head coaching job, whereas others in the National Football League are going to run through and get some head coaching jobs, despite the fact that Bieniemy has been the air quote offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Also, Pete's got a book out, or it's coming out later this month, about the uh, 2022 championship run. So we'll talk to uh, Pete at 12.15. Get to get to a very interesting note about DeAndre Hopkins that happened earlier today. And I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania last night. I will have a spoiler-free review for you. I'm just going to tell you right now, don't trust the tomatoes. Do not trust the tomatoes. So the uh, the odds are out for next year in the Super Bowl. Chiefs number one. They're at 6-1 uh, to one to win the Super Bowl. The rest of the teams that you may follow here in the Des Moines area, the big five around here. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are 14 to 1, the Packers are 30 to 1, the Vikings are 45 to 1, and the Bears are 80 to 1 right now to win the Super Bowl. Speaking of those Chicago Bears, one of my favorite teams to talk about and one of the most fascinating teams in the National Football League right now, the Chicago Bears. Now as you know, they sit atop the NFL draft right now and they have the number 1 overall pick because the Texans led by now-fired but former head coach of the Bears, Lovey Smith. They won in Week 18, and I will never forget watching the video of Bears fans at Soldier Field cheering to be the worst team in the National Football League. But there they were, and they get the number one pick, and there's a lot of conversation going on about what Chicago should do, A, at the number one pick, and B, at the quarterback spot. Now, they have Justin Fields, who threw for 17 touchdowns and threw 11 interceptions, 2,242 yards last year. Not great. He got banged up a bit. And in uh, Justin Fields' defense, something I never like to do, in Justin Fields' defense, his offensive line was terrible, and he had nobody to throw to. Now, I can go back and find the tape of me telling you that Justin Fields didn't have a shot. I mean, there was a promo that was running forever on this radio station about this show. Talking about how Justin Fields doesn't even have a shot to be good this year. And he had some glimpses. But the Bears screwed up the offseason last year or didn't do anything in the offseason to even give Justin Fields a shot to be great. I mean, there were a couple of times, maybe you picked him up in fantasy football at one point, and there was a couple of games stretch where he had a quarterback rating over 100. Then there were some games where he had a quarterback rating of 44. I mean, that, that, that happens when you're still inexperienced, you're very young in your career, and you don't have weapons or an offensive line to protect you. I mean, here's the pass catchers for Justin Fields. And again, I am in no way, as a Packers fan, I in no way want to defend anybody on the Chicago Bears. But he was throwing to Nikhil Harry, Chase Claypool late, 
Byron Pringle was a big offseason signing. Equinemia St. Brown, the former Green Bay Packer, big offseason signing. And there were practice squads in there, like Joe Reed. I don't even know if Simba Webster was a practice squad guy or a play. Because these guys don't make plays. Those are the wide receivers. Vellis Jones, uh, young guy out of Tennessee. Maybe he is the future. And then, of course, Darnell Mooney. And I don't know what Darnell Mooney's future looks like in the National Football League. I know in year three, two years with Justin Fields, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's good, I guess. It's not great. I don't think anybody's mistaking Darnell Mooney for an NFL All-Pro wide receiver. So in Justin Fields' defense, any thought that he just didn't succeed with great pieces around him, you can throw completely out the window. Because again, when your best wide receiver is Darnell Mooney, you're not going to win a lot of football games. When your offensive line is garbage and you did nothing to address it in the offseason and you didn't even add an offensive lineman in a National Football League draft until day three, which is what happened last year. They didn't take an offensive lineman until the fifth round last year. You're not giving your quarterback an opportunity to stay upright and we know he can run, but we see what happens with running quarterbacks. Look at Lamar Jackson. And we know Justin Fields has that dynamic running ability. He can take off from 60 yards and be gone. But it's still a league where you need to be able to protect your quarterback. And you need to give them offensive linemen to be able to protect your quarterback. And the general manager, the new guy in town, didn't give the head coach anything to protect Justin Fields. And he was sacked a ton last year. Threw for 2,242 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. The year before, his rookie season in just 12 games, he threw for, uh, what, 1870, 7 TDs, 10 interceptions. Now, of course, Justin Fields ran for over 1,100 yards this year and scored eight touchdowns. We understand that's there. So the question is, you're sitting atop the draft, number one pick, and you know what you've got sitting there. Bryce Young is sitting there from Alabama. If you're Mel Kuyper, you're really pushing Will Levis from Kentucky. I don't know why. And then there's C.J. Stroud, the guy who took over for Justin Fields at Ohio State at the quarterback position. I don't think he's he's not a runner like Fields, but he's definitely a dynamic thrower. At least he was in Ryan Day's offense for most of his uh, time in Columbus, except when he was playing Michigan. Although he still made some pretty good throws. So what do you do at number one? Do you give up on Justin Fields after two years despite the fact that you didn't give him weapons or an offensive line? Do you trade fields? And what could you get for Justin Fields? I mean, it was a number one pick, a number, uh, I'm sorry, number 11 pick, a first round pick just two years ago. There's a ton of potential. You think the ceiling is real high with fields, who was a good passer when he was in college. So what do you do? Do you, do you give up on fields? Use the number one pick? Go with somebody like Bryce Young? ESPN Bears reporter uh, Courtney Cronin kind of compared what Bryce Young or any rookie would have done versus what Justin Fields did last year. On what basis is Bryce Young an upgrade over Justin Fields as a passer? Are you completely sure about that? I don't think uh, under can the be. same circumstances because Justin Fields was a damn good passer in college. Mm-hmm. Under the same circumstances where you have no weapons, no offensive line, and you're asked to play with your hand tied behind your back. Would Bryce Young not have struggled the same way? I just caution people when you think about, oh, like look at all of the upgrades. Well, those are all big ifs because Justin Fields at one point was a big if. Justin Fields still is a big if. You know, if you're a Bears fan and you're driving around and you're upset with me, again, I'll I'll point to a game where Justin Fields threw for 208, had another 80 yards rushing earlier this year. I mean, you look at a game like uh, when they played against the Lions. He ran for 147 and a touch and two touchdowns. He threw for 167 and two touchdowns. They lost that game. But a dude accounted for over 300 total yards and had four touchdowns. I mean, that's Jalen Hurts stuff. And we're talking about Jalen Hurts as an MVP candidate, the guy who's about to get the bag. More from Courtney Cronin, who, again, is an ESPN Bears reporter. Uh, she said she would stick with the current signal caller in Justin Fields. 
All the sure. quarterbacks in the draft are a big if. You don't know that if a great college season and great college career is going to translate into a successful NFL career. It's a lot harder. The circumstances are different. I just think that the Chicago Bears are better off building around what they know and the high ceiling of Justin Fields than going with an unknown, even though Bryce Young is expected to be the top quarterback in this class. Okay, so I, I love Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is a magician. Now, Bryce Young's body looks somewhat similar to mine. That doesn't mean he can't get a lot bigger or any bigger, and I'm six foot two and 175. Kira, can you look up Bryce Young from Alabama and tell me exactly what his body size is? Because I don't think Bryce Young is all that much bigger than me. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that I could play quarterback at Alabama, all right? That's not what I'm trying to say. I, I couldn't play quarterback for a flag football team when my kids get older, <laughs> all right? I'm a, a dude behind a microphone with zero athletic ability, especially at the age of 41. But when you talk about body size and you talk about playing in the National Football League, I mean, we talk about Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, and they're short. Drew Brees was short, so you have to be special to be able to play when you're at a physical disadvantage. What about when you're skinny? How, what's the size on Bryce Young? Uh, he is six feet and a whopping 194 pounds. Six foot, 194. Six feet tall, 194 pounds. Can you look up Aaron Rodgers' height and weight for me, please? <laughs> Aaron's not that much taller, I don't think. I, d I don't think Aaron's that much taller. I don't think he's that much, or at least he coming out of college, I don't think he was that much bigger. Doesn't mean Bryce Young is going to become Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't mean Aaron, that Bryce Young is going to become a bust. But when you're six foot 190, 194, that's uh made out of pipe cleaner. I mean, it really for the <laughs> national football, and that's scary. Like, think about a skinny basketball player getting pushed around. Now, about a skinny football player getting crunched. That's what scares everybody about Bryce Young. What's Aaron? Uh, he is six foot two yeah. and two twenty five. Six two two twenty five. Yeah. Okay. But that's after 18 years of playing in the National Football League and working out and taking care of your body and maturing. Because remember, Bryce Young's 21 years old. Maybe. Bryce Young might even be 20 because he started as a freshman. So Bryce Young, six foot, 194. The scary thing there is, versus, by the way, Justin Fields, who is a little bit older, but not that much older. He's 23 years old. Six foot three, two twenty eight. I mean, you're talking about an additional thirty plus pounds on a guy. So just from a can they hold up? Can they physically stay upright in the National Football League? That's the red flag on Bryce Young. I've got more on Justin Fields coming up, including something out. I just spent a lot of time defending Justin Fields. I think he did something really, really dumb on a podcast earlier this week. I'll have it for you coming up in about 20 minutes. But first, I want to go down to Kansas City. Pete Sweeney, ArrowheadPride.com. He's got a new book out about the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 championship season called A Dynasty Begins. We'll get to that. And why is Eric Bieniemy making a lateral move at best going to Washington? We'll talk to Pete Sweeney next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Coming up tonight, we will have the uh, ESPN's coverage. Sorry, we'll have ESPN's coverage of the NBA Rising Stars uh, contest, which is literally the least amount of defense in any basketball played anywhere in America. Tomorrow, we'll have the Drake women taking on Illinois State, and then uh, tomorrow night, All-Star Saturday night. Sunday, the Drake men against Belmont, and then it is the All-Star game, the NBA All-Star game here on ESPN Des Moines. Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, the dust is settling. Joining me right now from ArrowheadPride.com, he is a media mogul out of Kansas City, and he has a new book out, just expanding the Sweeneyverse, he is Pete Sweeney. Pete, thank you so much for the time, my friend. Uh, what has the last week been like for you guys? Yeah, it's been pretty hectic, as you can imagine. We were, we're down in, in Phoenix covering Super Bowl 57, and that was, uh, uh, was quite a treat where you know they, they make a lot of the, the team members that maybe even haven't spoken to most of the year available. Everyone that is on the teams available on these three media days, of course, opening night, leads into the, the big game that was – 
quite a trip for everybody and made our way back to Kansas City. The Chiefs came back with the Lombardi Trophy, and we got through parade coverage. And I think we can say now, on this Friday, it is officially the offseason. <laughs> it's never the offseason because the biggest story dominating the National Football League right now, it's not about a player. It's not about my quarterback who's in a hole right now. It's about your offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> what what is going on here? What let's let's back this up because everybody asks this the exact same question, Pete. Why hasn't Eric Bieniemy gotten a job as a head coach? And why didn't he even he even get interviews in this latest cycle? Yeah, it, it seems a little bit ridiculous at, at this stage. Um, you know where he has interviewed over the years now for sixteen, seventeen jobs. It was only the Indianapolis Colts job this past hiring cycle, and they went in another direction, poaching someone from the Philadelphia Eagles. And it hasn't been fair. You know, there was really no rhyme or reason. This is the only offensive coordinator that Patrick Mahomes has ever known. A lot of people speak to the idea that, okay, it's Andy Reid. That's the secret sauce. He's the one calling plays. We need to see Eric Bieniemy prove himself. But at, at the same time, it's like, well, we saw Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy go from that very same position really fast, by the way, to what was head coaching positions. One was a Super Bowl champ. Another one was a coach of the year, and you're just left wondering, what is the deal with this this whole thing here with, with the enemy? And I think this decision to become an offensive coordinator somewhere with a defensive head coach is not a decision that happened this week. I think when Eric Bieniemy went with Andy Reid and they signed a one-year contract after last offseason and all the smoke that was there with potential problems that they said to each other, now that we got one more year here, and we actually have a year to talk to some people, see what jobs might be available, and if it comes to it, we're going to put you in a place where you can be Eric the enemy, run your own offensive staff, and call all plays without anyone having any doubt. And I, I don't think it's a great solution. I think it's an unfair solution, but I think it's a solution that they came to. Andy Reid called one of the members of his tree, a close friend of his, and Ron Rivera, and said, you have to hire this guy, just like he did with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia when he was to become a head coach. And I think Rivera has been listening, and I think that's what we're going to see by the end of the afternoon. So this is not enemy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like enemy is desperate to get an offensive coordinator job where he can call the plays full-time because he splits the play-calling duty a little bit with, with Andy Reid. He can install his offense, and, and, and Andy Reid, being the good guy that he is, made the call to Rivera? I think so, and I, I probably think and this is just me speculating here, but I I would probably tell you that I think this has been, this type of idea has been in the works for a while. Like there's a reason that the enemy was also seriously connected to Baltimore because Harbaugh is from the Andy Reid tree. And I'm sure Reid made the call. And I think Rivera is buying into what Reid is selling him. And it's legitimate. I I think the enemy can do this, can run an entire offensive side. And it'll be the opposite as it is in Kansas city with, with Washington, where, Rivera will run the defense, and it'll be the offensive head coach, so to speak, uh, for Eric Bieniemy uh, in Washington. Where, like what you see in Kansas City, is with Andy Reid running the offense for the most part. He basically allows Steve Spagnuolo to be a defensive head coach. And I, I think once Bieniemy has some success, and it, let's let's see who the quarterback is. Right, it's going to be tough in Washington, but if he's able to have success, similar to the sense that I thought Mike Kafka had in New York by turning the Giants around. I think he should, again, begin to get serious head coaching looks next offseason, but it's maddening that it's taken this long and, and certainly this road. You know, I, I Pete, I know you follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket. You can follow Pete at PG Swing. Swing. Uh, I think Biennemi's making a bad choice, personally. I, I think if you are, and I don't know how long Andy Reid's going to be the head coach. I, I'm sure you are closer to that answer than I am. But if I am the guy in waiting, and I'm going to get Mahomes in his prime, for at least a couple of years, and I never have to buy another beer or barbecued rib in Kansas City for the rest of my entire life, making half a million dollars being the guy in waiting doesn't seem so bad as opposed to going to the most disgusting franchise in the National Football League with the worst current owner in the National Football League and Sam Howell. Am I crazy? I think I think where I would push back to you a little bit, Mike, is is just by posing a question. Is he making a choice? This contract is up in Kansas City, and you know we can see the rumblings that are coming out about how Reed is 
putting in a good word for him and, and, and so on and so forth. But are we really completely sure that Andy Reid wants him back for another year as offensive coordinator? It's, if you notice, it, it, it got a little bottleneck when Mike Kafka was waiting around as the quarterback's coach because I think what Reid wanted was you know, a year or two to go, the enemy to naturally get his next head coach position. And, you know, he went as far as to prevent Kafka from being taken by Doug Peterson. If you really think about um, that, when their rules were a little bit different and you could block um, certain coaches from going to, to certain teams. Uh, and, and he ended up losing Kafka to an offensive coordinator position. Uh, couldn't make him the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Uh, and then Kafka goes on and proves he's a pretty damn good offensive coordinator. And so this is someone who is a enemy supporter, but he's also looking out for his own organization, and I think it has bottlenecked over the years. I mean, even today, you're seeing rumblings out there, very intentional rumblings, that Matt Nagy got a few calls to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. And I don't necessarily know if Reed wants to lose uh, another person that, that he feels uh, he could be an offensive coordinator here in KC, and then eventually maybe the head coach of, of KC. I, I forever have said that I think Nagy is going to be this coach in waiting that's going to be become the head coach of the Chiefs years from now once Andy Reid is done and I just I think Reid to an extent was was tired of the bottleneck thing that that had created and not his fault really uh, you know and, and he has gone in front of owners and said why aren't you hiring the enemy as as a head coach but I I just think it, a lot of things were on the table whereas I think Reid recommended the enemy to go because he could finally prove that he was the guy running the show, running his own program. But at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Reed is, is happy that he can kind of keep this train moving where you'll see Nagy become the OC and then another quarterback's coach, and he can kind of continue to build this tree. Talking to Pete Sweeney, arrowheadpride.com here on ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. How much longer is Andy Reed, if you were to speculate, and I'm betting your paycheck, one of your many paychecks, Pete, <laughs> how much longer is Reed the head coach of the Chiefs? Well, we know he's contracted until 25. So Through that the 25 makes, season. Yeah, that, that kind of gives us a, a glimpse at the, okay. the floor. Uh, I, I, I think as long as, he, as long as he stays healthy, and he's a big boy, and I know that we had a little bit like that scare, I believe it was last year, where he ended up having to just get, get himself checked out in, a, in an ambulance, I guess not feeling low after a game. And he likes cheeseburgers. He's never been uh, coy about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think so long as he stays healthy, uh, I could see him going another five, six years. Hmm. I think what is a a misconception, a grand misconception, and is no one ever really questions for the most part why Bill Belichick is still coaching. The, the retirement question hardly comes up with him. And Andy Reid is six years younger than Bill Belichick. It's just he, he looks a little older than him. And I, I just think so long as he feels like he can do the job at a high level, um, he'll do it. And people, I think, will say, well, he's old, you know, is he risking anything? Well, what I would say is if Andy Reid could go on to Madden and, and design a quarterback and, and have his traits, and it would be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's been waiting his entire career to coach a guy like this, uh, and you could see what it could lead to, which is championships, plural. And I think Reid, and he would never say this publicly, but I think he has a desire to be in that realm of Bill Belichick, whereas Maybe he's not ever going to have enough time to get to six, but maybe he can get to four. And if he's at four and he has all these playoff wins and more regular season wins and is right there with Belichick, I, I think people can start to call Andy Reid the greatest coach of all time and have, a, have an argument, like similar that you would debate a Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. The argument for Reid would be like, well, Belichick only did it with one quarterback. Reid had a lot of success with two, three, four quarterbacks and two organizations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think... That's where Reed starts to get in the conversation of greatest coach ever, even if he does have a deficit of, let's say, two, two Super Bowls. I do think he needs to get in the realm of four, and I think that's attractive to him, and I also think it's, of course, attractive to, to coach Patrick Mahomes for as long as possible. Pete Sweeney joining us, arrowheadpride.com. Pete has conquered the Internet. Pete has conquered radio. You hear him on sports radio all over uh, Kansas City. He is on TV. And now the book industry, look out, because... <laughs> Pete is taking over the book section uh, when you go to the uh, the internet. A Dynasty Begins, the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 championship season comes out later this month from Triumph Books. Pete, when do you start writing a book about a championship season? Uh, well, uh, as I found out two and a half weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, <laughs> I... The, 
the Chiefs won the AFC title game, and I, I got someone to reach out to me from Triumph Books, as you mentioned, and they asked me if I was interested in this. The one caveat being, you know, you're going to prepare this whole book, and it may not come out. You know, it might not see the light of day. Uh, includes 20 game recaps from the season. It includes, you know, 10 feature articles, an intro. Mitchell Schwartz of the first championship team was kind enough to, to write my forward, which he, I thought, did a fantastic job and filled with pictures and it. It's a real way to commemorate the 2020-22 season. It, w- it was a lot of work. I felt like I was working two jobs. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl for Arrowhead Pride. And then writing this thing in a, uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Mike. It was a hipster coffee shop I found <laughs> called uh, of course. Lana's in Phoenix at night that I was, I was penning <laughs> this thing. Uh, we got it done. Uh, and if you're interested in it, I, I've been telling people this. It's twitter.com slash pgsween. I have the link pinned to my Twitter uh, so you can go on and, and pre-order Great to read, but I, I just think it's such a sharp-looking book for your fan cave, something like that, to just celebrate what is the golden age of Chiefs football. And I know that there's been people nationally and locally debating, is this a dynasty, is this not a dynasty? I think my title kind of meets it in the middle. I, I think it, it's just beginning, uh, where you can call the five straight championship title trips and the three cha- t- uh, conference championships and the two Super Bowls. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a beginning of a dynasty, and I I think with this core and with Patrick Mahomes and with Reed still at the helm, it's just more to come. So a good way to celebrate here as we uh, take in the second Super Bowl championship for Kansas City in four years. It's called the Dynasty Begins, the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 championship season. And and Pete, I know there are Chiefs fans all over here, having been here for a while. They're one of the five big, and I think I would bet of all the markets outside of Kansas City, there are more Chiefs fans in Des Moines than anywhere else. In, in the United States. Well, I, I'm going to sound like I'm paid to say this, but Mike, of course, the Chiefs' kingdom goes far <laughs> and wide. <laughs> uh, what is it like having two championship parades come through? How did this one compare to the one a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a maturing uh, of a celebration, especially for some of the veterans. I mean, I, I think the first time around, Pat, guys like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey had stars in their eyes in a way and this time with Mahomes and Kelsey they're just plain stars and I think they came in knowing what the celebration would be like I think it was more fun for fans this is something you can't control when you're talking about a parade with just how warmer it was compared to the last time it was pretty bitterly cold and that allowed a lot more fan interaction there was a great clip of Patrick Mahomes handing a replica Lombardi trophy it looks like he's just handing the Lombardi trophy off Fan, um, a couple of these Chiefs were, were in their own worlds, especially the ones that have gone through it now. You know, for the first time. Um, but I think it's it, it, there's never going to be anything like the first one. Like people have asked, what do you, well, did you like the first one, or the second one, but better? I mean, it's always going to be the first one. There's nothing like the the first Super Bowl title. Uh, I thought this one was just uh, the Chiefs enjoying themselves to the max, but also really when they got on the mic saying. We know we were doubted. We know we were told, okay, this is going to be a, a rebuilding season. Some people picked the Chargers again. Some people picked the Buffalo Bills, and they were able to use that as motivation. And I, I think the big message was, look, get used to this. We want to be back here. We don't want it to be three seasons uh, before we're back here again. And I think the Chiefs are entering their, their villain era. You know, I, I can already yes. see it. Mike, you're, you're a fan of another team, and I – and I think that a lot of people are going to be really sick of the Chiefs. I mean, I think they're, for the most part, pretty good guys. I, I think Juju probably could have had his trash talk back. Um, and, you know, it's pure hatred because they're successful. Yep. Uh, this, this is what the Patriots were. Um, you know, I, I know there were other reasons not to like the Patriots, but the big reason you didn't like New England was because they just beat you and they lifted a lot of trophies and your team didn't. And I, I really think that was maybe the last time with, that we're going to have the Chiefs on the, the national scale where they're going to have some fans um, you know, out of the Kansas City Chiefs kingdom area. I, I think they're the villains from here on out, and people are going to love to see them beat. Well, Terry Wicked in Detroit, my father, before the Super Bowl, he said, I'm rooting for Philly because I'm sick of Mahomes and I'm yeah. sick of the Chiefs. And I think that's, like, I agree with you. I said this a couple of years ago, and people told me I lost a lot of followers from Kansas City because I just <laughs> moved away. But I lost a lot of fans because I said, this is going to start. This is a compliment to the success that Reed and Veach and Mahomes have had because they're going to be good for a long time. Like no, Mahomes is entering his prime, and that's scary as hell. Yeah, and it and it's simply from winning. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I look at another team across sports and it's like the Golden State Warriors. I mean, 
largely they're they're a fun group and in mo- you know I, I know what you're going to say about Draymond but other than that I mean it's a, it's a, these are guys that you really want to root for and they became a team even them that you know you started to say to yourself well it'd be nice if Dallas could win for a change or so you know some other team yeah. it was cool when Toronto won you know the one year um, and you, you just see it in sports and it, it's few and far between it's a blessing you know I, I I say this you know a lot of teams you know eventually. You know, you may see your team win a, win a championship. You know, I, I think that there's a possibility in your lifetime you may see, you know, your team win a championship. It is really rare to be part of a fan base that has a dynasty. Those don't come around ever, if you know, if at all, you know, for every fan of a, a certain sport. So it's just relishing, you know, what we have uh, here in, in Kansas City and, and moving forward. And, and let's see, let's see if the Chiefs can, can get back there because next year it's going to be harder than ever. I mean, you talk about, the target that's been there for the past five years, this is going to be the greatest target. You're going to get the team's absolute best effort every week because what that'll equate for that franchise is a monumental win over the two-time world champions of the past four years. Um, and, and wins against the Chiefs will mean your franchise is on the up and up. It's just that the games are going to be bigger even in the regular season, which will make a possible repeat all the more impressive. Uh, follow Pete on Twitter, at PG Sween. You can see the pinned tweet. Check it out. The book is coming out later this month. The Dynasty Begins, the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 Championship Season. Read Pete's fine work over at arrowheadpride.com. And Pete, my wife has given me two days off from my kids in April. If you see me stumbling around Union Station at the draft, make sure you say hello. I'll be in the white Christian Watson jersey. Okay. All right. That sounds good. I, I do like Christian Watson. A, a quick story for you, Mike, though, and, and I'll, I'll let you go here. Uh, I, for, I forget the specific game it was, but I put in a nice, juicy same-game parlay. <laughs> and all I needed to win $1,000, and I believe this, it was, I think I only put $20 on it. So it was that many legs. All I needed was for $1,000 was three more yards from Christian Watson, and he did not look at the goal line, and the ball dropped to the ground. Oh. And, I, and he cost me that. So I'm, a, I'm a Watson fan from afar, just not that night. <laughs> Pete, take care, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks for the time. All right, Mike. Pete Sweeney, arrowheadpride.com. The dude's on radio. The dude does the website. The dude does TV down there. Now he's got a book coming out. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're going to want to check that one out. Coming up, more back. I want to get back to Justin Fields uh, because he said something on a podcast earlier this week that I think was, well, there's ways to endear yourself to Midwest sports fans. And then there's what Justin Fields said. You'll hear it next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines, Wicket's World. My name's Mike Wicket. Coming up tonight, the Rising Stars game. The rookies versus the second year guys. Is that still the format? NBA All-Star Weekend kicks off tonight here on ESPN Des Moines. Tomorrow, Drake women's basketball against Illinois State. And then the All-Star uh, festivities. The three-point shootout has become the... St- when I was growing up, when I was your age, when I was growing up, the dunk contest was the thing. This year and these days, the three-point shootout is the thing because the game of basketball is now played so much further away from the rim. And you know the people who are in the three-point shootout. I have... I would list off the players who are in the dunk contest tomorrow night. And I would have no idea who they are. I have no clue who the dunk contest people are. They, the big stars don't do it anymore. And, of course, we'll have the game for you, the All-Star game, on a Sunday night right here on ESPN Des Moines. And Drake men's, this, Drake men's game this weekend, too, against uh, Belmont on Sunday. So uh, thanks to Pete Sweeney from ArrowheadPride.com. If you missed that conversation, he was great. Don't forget about his book. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're going to want to uh, read A Dynasty Begins, the Kansas City Chiefs 2022 championship season. And I don't think that title is insane. I think that title is, I mean, we're kind of in a Chiefs dynasty as you can have dynasties now. There's only like one in the NFL. It's just the, the Patriots dynasty. And then in the NBA, you have the dynasty of the Warriors. Other than that, I don't think there are dynasties necessarily in pro sports today. Check out that book. More on the Chiefs coming up, including some huge Travis Kelsey news. Uh, that broke late last night. But I want to get back to Justin Fields and what the Bears are going to do at number one when the draft hits coming up in April. 
Now, I, 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 we heard from Courtney Cronin earlier in the show, who covers the Bears for ESPN and ESPN.com, saying stick with Fields. Well, meanwhile, here's Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN and ESPN.com. He would go the other way because he thinks that Bryce Young compares to a certain three-point stud in the NBA. I like Justin Fields. I think Bryce Young has a chance for greatness. I've watched him. I've met him. I think he has a chance to be an A+. Now, he's small, and typically I don't like small quarterbacks, but I think he's an exception to the rule, and I'll give Todd McShay credit for this because he said it before I did. I think Bryce Young is Steph Curry. Steph Curry would have been a higher draft choice if, it, if, if he was bigger than the rest of his history, and I think Bryce Young is going to be that good, and I would get a first-round pick for Justin Fields and rebuild my team around Bryce Young. The difference is, and I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but the difference is in the NBA, Steph Curry has made a career out of staying outside of the three-point arc and most of the contact. I mean, he still draws a lot of contact when he goes to the rim, but most of his game is done 20 feet and out. And for Curry, it's like 25 feet and out. In the National Football League, with the terrible offensive line, your quarterback is going to get hit. It doesn't matter if you have a great offensive line or a terrible offensive line. Unless you're the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, you're going to get hit. It just happens. And when you're six foot 194 like Bryce Young is versus Justin Fields, who is 6'3", 228, those hits are going to affect Bryce Young a lot. Now, I want to play you this other soundbite, all right? So, Barstool Sports has a podcast. Pardon my take, I believe is what it is. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a big Barstool guy, but I, I see what they do. Because sometimes they have really interesting audio to play, like this one. Fields is on the Pardon My Take podcast, and they're talking about how cold it is and what it's like to play in cold weather in Chicago at Soldier Field. The thing is about that weather is like when it's that cold, you have to bundle up, like put a bunch of layers on and stuff like that. And your body's cold, so you're not warmed up. So I feel like way slower in that cold weather. So it's tough. Ooh. But uh, of course, want to try to stay warm on the sideline and stuff like that. But I mean, it's hard to stay warm in that weather. Warm ups and stuff like that. Your hands freezing up. So it's, it's tough. We're going to clip that and just send it to anyone who says that we shouldn't move to Arlington Heights. Hey, I yeah, mean, I, I hope we just get a dome. I don't, I don't yeah. care if we're at Soldier Field. I don't care if we're in Arlington Heights. I hope we get a dome on that. Okay. <sighs> All right. $2.2 billion, that's the proposed renovation to Soldier Field that would include a dome. They're already buying land in Arlington Heights, all right? And they're going to probably move the Bears out of downtown to Arlington Heights and build a new stadium. And then there's going to be a big fight about taxpayer dollars and private funding. And I don't care about any of that. That cut right there about it being too cold and about needing a dome does not Endear yourself to a fan base whose history is based on toughness. The 46 defense of the 85 Bears. Buddy Ryan's defense. The monsters of the Midway. Butkus. Ditka. Mike Singletary. Brian Urlacher. Every Bear fan knows what I'm talking Richard Dent. Those tough Chicago teams. Chicago tough. Southside tough. That cut right there, I think, if it hasn't already gone viral, I believe it will ding the Q rating of Justin Fields. Now, Fields is from Georgia. Remember, he went to school at Georgia before he went to Ohio State. And so he played in a few cold-weather games, but not a lot, because the Ohio State season, you play, what, two games in November in Columbus? Maybe one in Madison, maybe one in Ann Arbor, maybe one in East Lansing, whatever. But you're not playing three home games in December and one in January. And you don't have to go to Lambeau Field where it's really, really cold. Or maybe you go to New York or, God forbid, Buffalo in January. I don't think Bears fans are going to take well to that cut because that cut right there says, I'm soft. Now, I'm sure Bears fan is going to be like, Wicket, you don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. I'd rather, I don't want to sit outside. I get it. You don't want to sit outside. But this is the Chicago Bears. This isn't the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have hot tubs in their stadium for people. All right? This isn't the Chargers who played in San Diego and now L.A. This is the black and blue division. This is the NFC. Well, it used to be the NFC. Uh, no, now it's the North. It used to be the Central. 
This is the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings and the Packers. Now I get it. Two of those teams play indoors. One of them has always played indoors. One of them just got, so, yeah, two of them have always played indoors. I feel like that cut right. Play it again. Here, I'll play it for you again. Here's Justin Fields on Barstool, uh, one of their podcasts. Pardon my take. Talking about how cold he gets at Soldier Field. Thing is about that weather is like when it's that cold, you have to bundle up, like put a bunch of layers on and stuff like that. And your body's cold, so you're not warmed up. So I feel like way slower in that cold weather. So it's tough. Ooh. But uh, of course, want to try to stay warm on the sideline and stuff like that. But I mean, it's hard to stay warm in that weather. Warm ups and stuff like that, your hands freezing up. So it's, it's tough. We're going to clip that and just send it to anyone who says that we shouldn't move to Arlington Heights. Hey, I yeah, mean, I, I hope we just get a dome. I don't, I don't yeah. care if we're at Soldier Field. I don't care if we're in Arlington Heights. I hope we get a dome on that. Okay. Side. Oh, man. I just think that is a bad look on Justin Fields' part. I would really do. I mean, he had a real good year last year, third quarterback ever, to rush for 1,000 yards in a season. But to just say that my stadium, Soldier Field, with the history that's there in Chicago, George Hallis. The Chicago Bears, the monsters of the midway. And you're like, mm, can we move indoors? Because I think it's soft that the Lions play indoors. I think it's soft that the Vikings play indoors. And yeah, I'm a Packers fan, so I'm biased and I love Lambeau Field. But I like going to cold weather games as a fan. Did you watch the Buffalo-Miami game that happened when the snowstorm hit? And what an advantage that was for Chicago and not Miami? What that atmosphere was like? How amped the fans got? If you win in Chicago and then it, a snowstorm hits in a game like that, Soldier Field or wherever the new stadium is, is going to be electric. Like, that's one of the most amazing crowds I've ever watched on TV. But for Fields to say that, oh, man, I like Justin Fields. But I don't think Bears fans are going to take kindly to, it's too cold to play at Soldier Field. It's a bad look. Coming up, I used to have a mantra, all right? I used to have a mantra that I lived by. There are two rules in sports that I always live by. I have to amend one of them because he retired. But I'll tell you who's going to take his place next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One oh two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. What's up? Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, two T's, at ESPN DSM. Follow the station, like us on Facebook, and everything you need, including a podcast of the show, if you missed it or you want to hear uh, our interview with Pete Sweeney. He was great from arrowheadpride.com. Go to ESPNDesMoines.com. I'll get to a, a change I have to make in my mantra about sports, all right? But if you missed it, there have been 13, NFL players that have hosted Saturday Night Live. All right? Check that. There have been 12. Number 13 was announced when Travis Kelsey was on Jimmy Fallon's show last night. Growing up, I was a huge, like, Farley, Farrell, Fallon kind of guy growing up. Yeah, I used to watch Saturday Night Live with my mother. It's a, it's an absolute honor and a, and a privilege to be uh, hosting SNL March 4th. <laughs> so nervous for that. Oh, my God. You are going to be so good. I was talking to Lauren today. I'm like, oh, he's so charming, and he can sing, and he's fun, and it's so good. You think that about me? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I do. I know. I, I was like, yeah, I do. It's amazing. But Kelsey Ballerini is a musical guest. So that's yes. it's going to be a hot show. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you very much. I think it's uh, going to be a fun one. Peyton Manning's hosted. Eli's hosted. Deion Sanders has hosted. Fran Tarkenton was the first to host from the National Football League back in 1977. Joe Montana has hosted. The last to do it was J.J. Watt back in 2020. So March 4th, just a couple of weeks from now, two weeks from tomorrow, it'll be uh, uh, it'll be Travis Kelsey as the host. And while he was on Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy pulled out a microphone sitting next to him and said, hey, by the way, we know, and if you watch any of Kelsey over the last eight years, especially when they've been really good. You know Travis Kelsey likes to sing.
Travis Kelsey on uh, Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show uh, last night, and he will be hosting Saturday Night Live. Kelsey Ballerini is the uh, musical guest, so it'll be a Kelsey and Kelsey night. Did you get that, Kara? Yeah. Did you pick up on that, Kelsey and Kelsey? So I have, um, I've always had a mantra in sports. Never bet on Gonzaga to win the whole thing, and never bet against Tom Brady. And most of the time, you're always going to, most of the time, you're going to win with Brady. And you're always going to win with Gonzaga. They're never good enough to win the whole thing. Well, now that Tom Brady has retired after another Super Bowl, I have to change my mantra. Never bet on Gonzaga to win the whole thing. And never bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's right. That's never right. Never <laughs> bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's the new mantra. Woo! And And I wish it was never bet against Aaron Rodgers. But I can't count on Rodgers to come out of a hole and want to play football. He's in some isolation retreat, maybe in Peru. I don't know what he's doing right now. But those are that's my new mantra. Never bet on the on the Zags to win the whole thing. They might get there, but they're never going to win the whole thing. And you just bet on Mahomes. More times than not, the dude's going to be really good. He's just 27 years old. Like He's got five or six years of being a perennial, maybe more, a perennial MVP candidate. It's ridiculous, but it's true. So that's my new uh, my new mantra, and um, I'd like you to play play his normal voice for me because something happened at the 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 Wednesday parade in in Kansas City. If you've ever been to Kansas City, beautiful town. I lived there for four years. Like loved our loved every minute of it. They had the double deck, duck, double decker buses going down Grand Avenue, people everywhere, and then they wind up at Union Station. So. Here's what a little bit of Patrick Mahomes sounds like normal. He got a little sore yesterday, but then today it felt a lot better. He sounds like Kermit the Frog. All right. I remember I played Patrick Mahomes for my co-host Heather over on Laser for the very first time, and she could not believe that that is what Patrick Mahomes' voice sounded like. And I think the first time I ever heard Mahomes eight years ago, I couldn't believe it either. Seven years ago, I didn't watch Texas Tech football. Who cares about Texas Tech football? So then they get Mahomes after, I would bet, minimum 15 Coors Lights. And they're like, we got a good idea. We know he's been driving, riding on top of a bus, hammering beers. At one point, Chad Henney, his backup, is holding the Lombardi Trophy. And it's kind of got a, a point where the on the, the handle of it or the, the stand of it, it kind of goes in a little. They're doing beer luges off the Lombardi Trophy on top of a double-decker bus in Kansas City. It looked cool. Mahomes got off the bus to use a porta potty or a Kaibo, as we call them here in Iowa. He got a standing ovation. Not that everybody wasn't already standing, but they applauded him. So then they get to Union Station. And after 15 beers minimum, who knows how many days they've been partying. He was in Orlando at Disney World. They put Mahomes up on the microphone. And I'm telling you, something has happened to Patrick Mahomes' voice. What? what? Kansas City with the world champs. Can I get a hell yeah? A little bit of Kermit in there. Hey, we just want to say we appreciate everybody that's here today. Drink on a bus as long as you want. But they set him up there like, we just want to say thank you. Uh, we're back again. It fell flat. And he said it again. We, we're back again. And then people like kind of cheered. Good for Mahomes, though, man. Good for Patrick Mahomes. 27 years old, two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs, two wonderful kids. His wife, Brittany, she should stay off Twitter. But his wife, Brittany, is great, I think. I don't know. I have no idea. I want to get to my last piece here before we get out of here. How long do I have? You have two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. All right. This will be spoiler-free, okay? I promise. Spoiler-free. So last night... I went to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, the third Ant-Man movie and the kickoff of Phase 5. If you've been keeping in track, if you've been like ducking spoilers, you're fine. I'm not going to ruin anything. But if you've been ducking spoilers, but you've seen some of the reviews, the critics of Rotten Tomatoes are crushing this movie. Fans 
are liking it, which is really what matters to me more. All right. I don't need uh, Peter Travers from ABC, who is older than my dad, who turned 76 in two days, hated the movie. And I'm like, that's not really the audience that they're going for. All right. You didn't grow up with the multiverse and the Infinity Saga and any of this. So here's my non-spoiler review. It's fun. All right. Ant-Man Quantumania is fun. It's weird. I think it's a wonderful phase five kickoff. You can see the kickoff to the direction we're going to go. I mean, you know Kang is in this movie, and there's a the Kang dynasty is coming up at the end of this. It's a great kickoff to phase five. It is easily the best Ant-Man movie, but I don't think that's difficult because of all the films, the two Ant-Man movies were probably two of my least favorites. Some people loved them. I thought they were just, they, they, they were additions to the plate, but they were never the main course. Uh, the two credit scenes are very important. They're very niche, and I have, I've got to go down some rabbit holes to really learn them, but they're so good, and they're so vitally important to the rest of Phase 5. Jonathan Majors as Kang is, is perfect. He is such a good actor. I need to see other stuff that Jonathan Majors is in besides Marvel stuff because he was he who remains in the Loki series and then this one, he's Kang. If Star Wars and Alice in Wonderland made an MCU baby, it would be this movie. I give it two thumbs up. I want to talk more about this movie with people, but it's only been out for like a day. So... Hit me up on Facebook and Twitter, and let's talk about it. If you see it, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, great Phase 5 kickoff. My thanks to Pete Sweeney for joining me. This song you're going to hear a lot if you're watching Daytona this weekend. It's like the theme to the Daytona 500. A little Metallica. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Thanks to you for listening. My name is Mike Wickett. This has been Wickett's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.